Hello, Buzz. How's the weekend? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Down at Shark Park and uh, a, a good win. Um, as you, Lloyd just said, without Matt Moylan and without Will Kennedy to lose two games, uh, two players out of your spine. Uh, they just got the job done. Nothing overly impressive, and they remain in the top four. So, what a good night out, mate. Yeah, I d- well, Buzz, you watch the Sharks more closely than I. It, they just seem to, I don't know, fall over the line against some teams, but the more credentialed teams, they play their best footy against. Yeah, they do. And um, look, as I said, it wasn't their greatest performance on the weekend. But um, look, whatever Craig Fitzgibbon's done down there, they, they just keep turning up every week. They're a very consistent football side. And look, I think they can hang on and make the top four because they've probably got one of the better runs home. And um, yeah, no, he's done a terrific job with them this year. Buzz, uh, no doubt the big story of the weekend was uh, Ricky Stewart and uh, Chief. We've got to... Uh, a lot of people having their say, certainly getting stuck into Sticky on the text line this morning. But uh, what yep. punishment do you think he will get? Oh, look, I think it was so serious um, what happened that we'll be looking beyond a fine uh, this time. And look, I did a story with Bulldog Richie this morning and I think Andrew Abdo was so angry about it yesterday that he'll probably look at some sort of suspension and might just be standing down for one week or two weeks or whatever. Look, um, I, like Laurie and a lot of other people in rugby league are, are very close to Ricky, but uh, this is a situation where you just can't, cannot defend him. I look at this way, there, there are two Ricky Stewarts. There's one who runs the Ricky Stewart Foundation and has raised millions and millions of dollars over the years for, for kids and families that, that are dealing with autism. And it's it's really, really beautiful work behind the scenes. Then there's the other Ricky Stewart who gets emotionally worked up, who can't control his emotions, sometimes in press conferences after the game. And for him to, you look, for him to drag up something that, that happened when these boys were kids, um, you know, was obviously the wrong thing to do and very disappointing. Look, my kids and my family have grown up in the shy. They, they went to the same school as Jamin and, and Ricky's kids. And in the Fair Dinkin Department, Jamin, as a young fella, had a reputation as a bit of a problem child. And... Look, there are obviously some issues that have been boiling away with Ricky. He hasn't had closure on them, and um, he he exploded. But it was the wrong platform. It really was, and uh, you can't use an NRL press conference to use words like weak, gutted, dog about other players. And um, he was apologetic yesterday. Obviously, if he had his time over again, he would never uh, have said it, but the thing is, he has been said, and the NRL will rightly come down hard on him. So, um, look, I hate seeing these things happen in the game. We've, we've had a, another great round of rugby league, and but everyone is talking about it um, from the weekend rather than the skills and excellent performances from a couple of the sides. It's just really, really disappointing. But as I said at the top, I, I just can't, you know... Uh, Ricky's done the wrong thing here, and he's going to have to pay for it. Now, you've written extensively in the Telegraph today about hip drop tackles, Buzz. What did you uncover? Well, I went back over the last four years, Nido and Laurie, and people who think it's a recent problem in the game 
should have a look at this story because there's actually been 42 hit drop charges and players found guilty in the last four years. And there's really interesting commentary on this one, particularly last week after Jackson Hastings broke his leg in the tackle by Patrick Carrigan, as though it was a recent problem in the game. Hayes Dunster was obviously hurt badly early in the season. But of those 42 players, really, really bad tackle that's been in the game now, as I've said, for three or four years. 21 of the players who made those tackles were not suspended. So I think the NRL has only itself to blame for this for not taking appropriate action in the past and allowing it to creep into the game. Another 11 players, outside of those 21 who weren't punished, another 11 players were only suspended for one week. Mm. There's only been three or four heavy charges of four or five weeks. So an issue that now everyone is talking about, an issue that has sidelined players for long months and months, and I think it's long overdue that the NRL... It's been highlighted and that the NRL can now treat it as seriously as it should. The other interesting point I found, a lot of people, as per usual, whenever there's foul play in rugby league, want to blame Melbourne Storm. Craig Bellamy, Cameron Smith, they invented all sorts of things. It's very interesting that Broncos are by far the worst offenders. Since 2019, eight Broncos players have been found guilty of a hit-drop tackle. Now, I spoke to Kev Walters yesterday, and look, I believe, Kev, I, it's just a statistic that, that certainly he was unaware of. He insists they don't train for it. They've got a wrestling coach like everyone else. He thinks one of the reasons they've struggled in recent weeks is that they don't wrestle as well as some of the other clubs in the NRL. It's a fact of life. You've got to be good wrestlers to win premierships, but I think it's a really interesting story that it's been around for so long that um, oh, can I ask you then, Buzz, because I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, yeah. um, you know, you look at these hip drop tackles and we notice them more now, but you're saying it goes back a, a few years. I'm just wondering why or how it's sort of all become part of our game now and we're sort of more aware of it than what we were in the past. Well, I, I think um, you look at the Hayes dumpster injury where he broke his leg and was sidelined for the season, Laurie, at the beginning of the year, sort of put it back on the map. But when it happened to Jackson Hastings last week and put him out for the season, I then started getting a lot more media coverage. But what all those photos, and I presume you've looked at the yeah. page in the Telegraph today, there's photo after photo after photo of these tackles being made. And... and it's like anything. The only way, and there's there's evidence that only adequate punishment will drive behavioural change in rugby league. There's too many high tackles, so they have to do a crackdown. Some of these crackdowns are over the top, like we saw in Magic Round last year. But that's the only way they're going to get them out of the game. Mm. But the cult, the comment, it's been until Ricky unfortunately made his comment. It was the story last week. Everyone was talking about it. It's a nasty tackle. It is a nasty tackle. Yeah, but 
you ever met Patrick Carrigan? Uh, no. He got 99.9% in his high school certificate. He's a trained, fully qualified physiotherapist. He could have done medicine. He's a really, really good person. I'm not sure he does the... I'm not sure any player does it deliberately. Mm. The way it's been explained to me, guys, is that there's a certain target area when you're third man in. Now, you've got to go above the knees these days, right, and below the hip. Sometimes if you miss your target area and you go above the hip, the player will keep driving his legs to try to keep it. So the player, the, the defender then slides down, puts his weight on the legs, and to, to at all costs stop the player, mm. stop the attacker. But it's got they've got to get down to the game. It's a tough enough sport without this sort of thing happening. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. It's a it's a bad look, and it's one that can wreck a player's career. I, I want to ask you, Buzz, about you know what's happening with the government and the NRL in terms of stadium upgrade, and no doubt you would have seen those scenes at Leichhardt Oval on Saturday, and we're lucky that we're not sitting here talking about a very, very serious accident or possibly death after what we saw unfold at Leichhardt Oval on Saturday. Yeah, wasn't that horrible video on all the news sites and websites over the weekend of that uh, railing collapse at Leichhardt? Laurie, I've been banging on about this for years and years, that to spend $900 million on 42,000 seats at Arliant Stadium, the three football clubs, the Waratahs, Sydney FC and the Roosters, that only draw 15,000 crowds was a waste of money um, to spend that much. And that they should actually have halved the cost, built a Combank Stadium there at Moore Park, and that would have left $450 million to these other suburban grounds, Brookvale, Leichhardt and Shark Park. I think what we saw at Leichhardt Oval was um, actually a blessing in that it brings it to the attention of the government that these grounds are unsafe. Um, NRL is the major sport in this city and we've got to be able to put football games on where fans can turn up every week and feel safe there. And, you know, we really do. And I can understand that so many people, there's more far north coast lost houses and the government wants to divert money at this stage to making sure that they can rebuild homes and, and get their lives back. Um, having, But why are they going ahead with Penrith, which I believe is a perfectly good stadium, probably needs a coat of paint and a few new seats. Why are they buying the trotting track at Penrith? Why are they bulldozing the current and spending all this money? I just don't understand it. I think the other grounds mm. are far more in need of a refurbishment than Penrith is at this stage. So the government have had six sports ministers in the last three years. They've chopped and changed. They can't work out what they're doing, but they've got to sort it out soon, or we'll see more episodes like we did like out in the weekend. Yeah, I think you'll have a lot of people agree with that sentiment. Talking of the Penrith, though, uh, Pe- Penrith Panthers, I mean, they've got some wonderful players, but I don't know whether they've got a more consistent player or a, or a braver player than their fullback, Dylan Edwards. What a player he is. Well, you know, we played through the finals. No media publicity. Nothing was heard about until after the game, basically with a really serious ankle injury. Couldn't train. Was in a moon boot all week. He's a really, really tough dude. And he just got needled game after game. And again, he 
took a heavy knock uh, the other night and um, just played outstanding. So I looked up the Gallien leaderboard when it closed, and he was uh, he was running eighth in equal eighth with Daly Cherry Evans, and he was only six points behind Ben Hunt. I think he might be a bolter chance to actually win the award. I think he's a good thing to finish in the top three. Apart from him being such a terrific player and picking up points every week, he no longer has, for the rest of the year, Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai, beside competing with him for points each week. I think we, we know Tedesco's the best fullback in rugby league. We know we've got Latrell Mitchell. We know we've got Tommy Turbo. You know what? I think this guy is only a cigarette paper behind them. He's improved out of sight in the last two years. And I'm really, really happy for them because while he may lack the, the few of the skill areas those boys have just mentioned, his toughness and his effort plays are up there with any player in the competition. What about Coach of the Year, Buzz? Who do you think's the leading contender oh, for that award? Mate, you're firing some tough questions today. <laughs> um, I don't know who wins that. I know Nathan Cleary, uh, Ivan Cleary, has the Panthers six points ahead and look like certainties to win the minor premiership. But then you've got Todd Payton. Now, every everyone had the Cowboys in the bottom four. I had them winning the wooden spoon. For him to do what he's done with that football side puts him right in contention for the award. The other guy, it's a three-way race for the line. There's probably half a length between them. Is Craig Fitzgibbon at Cronulla. I think that side has overachieved this year when you look at his roster compared to you know, teams like the Roosters with their superstars. And I, I just didn't think they were going to finish in the top four this year. And they turn up every single week. So if it's given Cleary or Payton, I think it's the closest race we've ever had for Coach of the Year. What about any late... Or what's the latest news with the Dolphins, Buzz? They've gone a little bit quiet of late. Yeah. Did you watch Sean O'Sullivan the other night? I didn't, mate. I had it on in the background, but I didn't watch it carefully. Well... Sean O'Sullivan was picked up as a deputy to Nathan Cleary at the beginning of the year, and it was a really important signing for Penrith in that Cleary had his shoulder problems and missed the first four games. It was also important in that Cleary had to play State of Origin, and he's now suspended for five weeks. So they needed a first-class game manager, and they picked him up at a budget price. He's only played 27 first-grade games. But my goodness, he's got good game management intelligence. He was outstanding the other night. He had two or three try assists. He was just directed them beautifully throughout the game. And I think I think he's ready to become a fully fledged regular first grade NRL halfback next year at the Dolphins. And mind you, he's not Daly Cherry Evans. He's not Luke Carey or one of the superstar players. But I can tell you, he will do it. He will get the job done for the Dolphins. So I think they can call off their search for a halfback. I think they obviously need a fullback and uh, you know a hooker still to complete the spine. Cameron Munster's obviously contender, but they've got a beauty in Sean O'Sullivan. You haven't heard from Clarkie, have you, Buzz? <laughs> Mate, I haven't. What about Clarkie? Eh? 
Living the dream, Buzz. Living the dream. What about his stunning new lady, too? He's doing well, and he? he's always been able to bat. Well, he's over there at near the Eiffel Tower at the moment. He's he sipping champagne. A moment. <laughs> Is he ever going to pop back to work? Does he know we're coming up to the finals? Uh, I don't know. Well, we're expecting him next. Next Monday. Monday. Don't think we're at the uh, forefront of his mind at the moment. I've never known anyone who will take a month off at such a crucial time of the year. Who has allowed this? I know. Well, next That's... Monday, I want you to uh, put it, put the hard-hitting questions on him. Oh, mate, I'll be asking. Not about sport, his social life. <laughs> Good on you, Buzz. Thank you. See you, guys. Ta-da.